Welcome to our Harvest Man of Valor podcast. This is Pastor Elijah, and we're just a couple weeks left in our Acts study. I want not only to encourage you guys to finish strong, but to stay on course and not let the end of this study be the end of your race. Because we need to live out Acts 2.42 and continue in the apostles' doctrine, which means in our word. We need to continue to fellowship and be in the breaking of bread and in prayers. So once we close this book out, let's make sure that we continue to do that. Now, let me pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for who you are and all you do. And Lord, I just pray that you empty me of myself, fill me with your spirit. I pray for the listeners out there. And um, I pray for the end of this year, Lord, that you would just bless it and that we would continue to do what you have called us to do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, this week, guys, we'll be continuing in our study through the book of Acts, and we'll be covering um, chapters 24 through 26. Now, that's a lot of verses. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to overview the chapter, um, all three chapters, and then we'll see what we can learn from the life of Paul. Well, I remember the first and the last time that I went dirt bike riding, and I was definitely a little nervous, but the reason why I was nervous was because the night before, I kept envisioning myself flying off a cliff. Now, that never came to pass, although I did hit the ground a few times, more than a few. But the more I rode, the more confident I got. And at one point, I wanted to go off of a jump. Now, when I say jump, I really mean it was like a small bump about eight inches high. So I plotted the whole thing out. I looked back and said, this is how far back I need to be. And this is how fast I would need to go. And, and I had an end goal. The end goal was to land without dying. Now, obviously, I accomplished the goal of not dying, but it didn't go according to plan. See, first off, I was just going way too slow, which turned out to be a blessing in the end, because when I hit the bump, instead of me and the bike going over the bump, I went over the bump and the bike stayed behind. And I remember thinking, here I come, Lord. But I decided in midair, I'm just going to go with it. And as a result, I actually accomplished the goal. I landed without dying. But the crazy part is I somehow ended up flipping over the bike and landing on my feet. So not only did I make it out alive, but I also looked cool while doing it. The plan changed when I hit the bump and I just went with it and actually ended up accomplishing the goal. And I remember someone who was watching saying, wow, did you mean to land on your feet? And, uh, you know, in my mind, I was like, not really. But I said out loud, you know, that wasn't my plan, but God intervened. And the reality is I did want to stick a landing, but I had no clue that that would be the landing that I actually stuck. But God planted me there and put me in position to not only accomplish the goal, but to testify of his goodness as this person was asking me that. Now, I tell that story just to demonstrate that sometimes the fulfillment of our purpose may look different than how we envisioned or planned it to be. But God will land you in a place where you can give him the glory. And we just need to go with it and land where God wants us to land. So I'll premise this entire passage with these verses from Acts chapter 19, verses 15 and 16. And this is uh, speaking of Paul. He is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, God told Ananias that the goal which he would reveal to Paul was that he would bear the name of Christ before Gentiles, kings, and Jews. So the goal was set, and from chapter 9 on, you see Paul wanted to fulfill God's goal, but at times Paul's plan, accomplishing that goal, hit bumps and flipped him right into God's plan, and Paul went with it, and ultimately he preached Christ. 
Now, Paul found himself in many undesirable positions. He was being harassed. He was chased, beaten, stoned, arrested, and even shipwrecked, which is usually not the plan that somebody would make on their own to accomplish a goal. But Paul went with it, and he always landed where God wanted him to land. Now, today, we're going to pick up where Paul is arrested, standing before his Jewish accusers and Roman dignitaries. Then he was placed on house arrest, which is where we find ourselves in chapter 24 through 26. And see, in these three chapters, Paul is placed before two different Roman officials and a king, which as church history tells us, this trial will ultimately lead to him standing before one of the most wicked Caesars, Nero, who would eventually put Paul to death. Now, again, you can read about that part in um, church history. So a lot of our discussion will be from a bird's eye's view. Uh, because it would take me a whole 15 minutes with my education to read these three chapters in this podcast. So let's get into this. In chapter 24, Paul is taken to Caesarea, an ancient port and administrative city of Palestine, to stand before a man named Felix, who was the governor at the time. Now, these governors wanted to keep peace because they never wanted a report to get back to Rome saying that there's a problem because they would have been held accountable by Rome. So this gives us a little bit of insight to why Felix kept Paul on house arrests because Felix heard the Jews case and Paul's defense and he knew Paul was innocent. And when you look at verse 22, it says Felix had knowledge of the way, speaking of Christianity. So he put them off to hear more evidence. And the reality is when you look at the story, he had enough evidence, but he had to juggle not wanting to hand over an innocent man, but also trying to please the Jews by keeping Paul in custody. He didn't want riots and things to break out and have that reputation. But we also see another glimpse of Felix's heart in verse 26, because he was looking to get paid. It said, at the same time, he hoped that money would be given to him by Paul. So he sent for him often and conversed with him. Now, is that a surprise that you have a corrupt government official? I'm not going to call out any names, but uh, we have one here. And Felix is holding Paul hostage for two main reasons. And one is he wanted money from Paul. Verse 26 says this man often conversed with Paul, hoping to get money. But he didn't realize the thing that Paul was giving him in those conversations was more valuable than money. Because he was giving him the way to eternal life with Christ. So Felix was looking for a payday, but he also kept Paul hostage for the second reason was to please the Jews. So Felix, he didn't want um, this situation to get out of control. So he didn't make much progress in the situation. In Acts 24, 27, it says, When two years had elapsed, Felix was succeeded by Festus. And desiring to do the Jews a favor, Felix left Paul in prison. See, he was trying to please both sides. So he left Paul in prison. Two years gone, this guy hasn't made any progress. And after that, two years later, the next guy comes on the scene. In chapter 25, Festus comes into power. And man, did he inherit a mess. It was a mess that was left behind. And Festus seemed like he was a lot more moral and reasonable than his predecessor, Felix. And again, the Jews wanted to kill Paul, but Festus knew Paul was in Caesarea, which is where... He was headed and he invited the Jewish men of authority to go with him and to hear their case. And that's exactly what happened. The Jews brought their charges against Paul and Paul defended himself. And he utters these words in chapter 25, verses 10 and 11. He said, I am standing before Caesar's tribunal where I ought to be tried. To the Jews, I have done no wrong. 
as you yourself know very well. If then I am a wrongdoer and have committed anything for which I deserve to die, I do not seek to escape death. But if there is nothing to their charges against me, no one can give me up to them. Then he says, I appeal to Caesar. See, Paul let Festus and his council know I'm innocent and you know it. Matter of fact, I haven't done anything wrong. And if I did, I deserve to die. But before Festus can make a judgment on the matter, Paul does something that he had every right to do, which is he appealed to Caesar. And because of Paul's appeal to Caesar, the case was out of the hands of Festus. And in verse 12, Festus declares to Caesar, you have appealed to Caesar, you shall go. Now, there was nothing Festus could do at this time, but a few days later, his boy, King Agrippa, shows up. Now, this case seemed pretty high profile considering Festus lays out this case before King Agrippa. Part of that is because, you know, he needed a reason to send Paul to Rome. So he needed to talk to King Agrippa and they needed to come up with a plan. Why are we sending him to Caesar? But in verse 22, it says, then Agrippa said to Festus, I would like to hear the man myself. Festus replies, tomorrow. You will hear him. Now, we know that Agrippa was intrigued by this case and it took he took it serious because in verse 23, it starts off by saying, so on the next day, Agrippa and Bernice, his sister wife, and I'll let you look into that on your own. They came with great pomp. So the king, his wife and their entire entourage of high prominent men of the city all came to hear this case. So when you think about it, this place was packed. And you have Paul's accusers, you have Festus and his council, you have the king, his wife, and all the king's finest gathered to hear this case. Now remember, I have premised this entire passage with Acts chapter 9 verses 15 and 16 speaking of Paul. And it says, he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentile kings, the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. See, when you look at that, God's plan was in full effect because Paul stood before all these people to plead his case. And he starts in humility before the king. And remember, in previous chapters, as Paul stood before different groups, he always was aware of his audience. So he appealed to the king, not only respectfully, but also to the king's understanding. And you see in chapter 26, 3, it says, For I know you are an expert on all Jewish customs and controversies. Now, please listen to me. Now, I wish I had time to get into everything that Paul is saying in this passage and break it down. But if you've read ahead and hope you have, you'll see that Paul is standing before all these people. As Acts 9, 15 says, Gentiles, kings and the children of Israel. So even though the situation may not seem like it's going according to plan and that it hit another bump, Paul has landed right where he was supposed to land. So what does Paul do? He asked the king, please listen to him patiently. And as Paul begins to explain why he's on trial, his defense sounds more like a testimony. And in verse 9 through 16, Paul tells of his conversion, which we witnessed back in Acts chapter 9. And you guys can go back and read that or you can read this portion and get a summary of that. Now, let me give you a side note um, on what Paul's testimony included. One he talked about his life before Christ, how he persecuted Jesus. And then secondly, how he came to Christ, how he encountered Jesus. And thirdly, he talked about his life after Christ living for Jesus. And I think it's a perfect example of how a testimony should include all three of these elements. One, your life before Christ, what he saved you from. And then number two, 
how you came to Christ, which you're preaching the gospel and how you were saved, your, your specific time you came to the Lord. And then three, your life after Christ, how our salvation has impacted our life. And that's what you see, Paul. He persecuted Christians. He had an encounter with Christ. And now he's living out the gospel because he was impacted by his meeting the Christ. And the same thing happens to all of us. So those are three elements that I think should be all present in our testimony. Now let's get back to this story. So Paul is standing before the Jews, Gentiles, and the king and declares God's plan in verse 18. He said, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to the power of God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in Jesus. Then he goes on to say in verse 22 and 23, and this is chapter 26, um, to this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And take note of that. He had help that came from God. And so I stand here testifying both to small and great, saying nothing but what the prophets and Moses said would come to pass, that the Christ must suffer and that by being the first to rise from the dead, he will proclaim light both to our people and to the Gentiles, which Paul was on on trial for. And he's just saying, look, I'm just saying what the prophet said. And but he's ultimately given the gospel. And then in verse 28 and 29, and Agrippa said to Paul, in a short time, would you persuade me to be a Christian? And Paul said, whether short or long, I would to God that not only you, but also all who hear me this day might become such as I am, except for these chains. See, Paul was saying, look, I'm here today to not just plead my case, but I'm here today and praying that you would be like me, saved by the grace, except for being in these chains. And see, Paul recognized that he had an audience that God had placed him before. And he was speaking before a king. He was speaking before Gentiles. He was speaking before the Jews. And Paul could have made it all about himself. And he had, he could have put up a lofty defense because the Jews had no case. He could have made this extravagant case for himself because they had no evidence. But what did Paul do? He could have shut them down and said, I'm going to Caesar and just send me there. But no, Paul recognized that God had placed him there. He was confident. As verse 22 stated, to this day, I have had the help that comes from God. And what did Paul do? He took that opportunity to proclaim the gospel. He used the opportunity to declare the good news of God. Now, Paul was clearly innocent. And he could have been set free. But at the end of chapter 26, King Agrippa uttered these words. This man has done nothing to deserve death or imprisonment. And Agrippa said to Festus, this man could have been set free if he had not appealed to Caesar. Now, at this point, it may seem like another bump that Paul has to go over and that Paul is finding himself flipping over the handlebars again. But let's quickly go back to chapter 23, verse 11, where it says, the following night, the Lord stood by Paul and said, Take courage, for as you have testified to the facts about me in Jerusalem, you so must also testify in Rome. We see at the end of this chapter, Paul is not going to be set free, but instead he is going to be headed to Rome to plead his case before Caesar. But Paul understood that God would land him exactly where he needed to be. And I ask you this, where has God landed you? Maybe things have not gone according to plan, 
Or maybe your plan has deviated or you've hit some bumps on the way and you find yourself flipping over the handlebars. But I say this, unless you're in sin, you have landed where God wants you to land. Now, if you're a sin, you, you, you're, uh, you hit a bump that wasn't from God. <laughs> but if you're not in sin, you have landed right where God wants you. And let's take that opportunity wherever we land to glorify uh, God, just like Paul did. Now, in that story, I told you in the beginning that I landed on my feet. But what I didn't tell you is that when I flipped over the bike, the next day I had this pain in my chest and I felt like I was having a heart attack. And I was reminded at that time, I remember like, why is my chest hurting? And I had a bruise on my chest because when I flipped, my chest hit the handlebars. Then I went over and landed on my feet. And I bring that up because I want you to understand sometimes in God's plan, you're going to face some pain. Sometimes there's going to be bruises and bumps. But look at Paul. Paul lived a life of suffering. Paul hit those bumps. Paul had those bruises. But I tell you this, the pain of God's plan is worth the landing because ultimately we land in his presence for eternity. You know, I would rather have a bruise on my chest and land on my feet where I could give glory to God and saying, God, you could thank me. Then end up not landing at all and not go according to plans. And sometimes we just got to go with it and take the bruises and use that as an opportunity to testify of God's goodness, knowing that in the words of Paul to this day, you have had help that comes from God. And we will stick that landing and ultimately stick the landing in heaven. Now, I want you to remember, Paul went through all these things, but he was right there where God wanted him to be. His plan seemed to have deviated. He seemed to have hit bumps, but he always landed not only where he can be used by God, but in the presence of God. And ultimately, Paul landed and stuck that landing right in heaven in the presence of God. Now, I'm over my time. I did not have a lot of time to get that, so hopefully I did it justice. But um, I'm going to let you guys know, if you want to study these things deeper, I want to encourage you to join a Harvest small group. And you can join our men's, women's, couples, or co-ed groups at harvest.church forward slash groups. And once again, you're listening to our Harvest Men of Valor podcast. This is Pastor Elijah. I want to say God bless you guys and finish strong.